0: In today's episode of the Health Collective podcast, we're joined by Beth Jackson, who is one half of Two Sisters Accounting, a small accounting firm designed around making accountancy easy, understandable and approachable for small businesses. We talk about uh, the various different aspects of taxation, finances, understanding the difference between cash and profit Understanding the different stages of finances in business growth, whether that's from starting out to sole trader to limited and beyond. Understanding the differences between VAT, corp tax, how to make sure that you always have enough cash in the bank to keep your business growing year after year after year. If you're interested in learning more about your finances or accounting in your own business or looking for any help in terms of understanding numbers and how to interpret them moving forward, then today's episode is definitely for you. If you're looking for any help in your body or health, then make sure you check out our website, which is thehealthandfitnesscoach.com, and ensure to subscribe to this podcast today. All right, enjoy the episode. so welcome to everyone like I said we are joined today by Beth from two sisters accounting so first of all thank you so much to Beth for joining us and taking some time out of uh what is sounding like an exceptionally busy day for you
1: yeah it's, it's I think we all again as business owners we all have it some days you just you fit things in you make it work as as I apologize for I do not usually do things from the car but sometimes you just you know, adapt, adjust, whatever we want
0: to call it. <laughs> Absolutely, flexibility, fluid, you know, whatever we want to call it. You know, I think uh, women are very adept at managing that with relative grace. Um, we we tend to get through it without falling completely flat on our faces. So well done, and thank you for being with us, uh, car or no car. Um, so you are one half of an accounting. And if I say that phrase, accountancy, it probably fills people with a glaze of boredom, uh, which doesn't come across as you. You definitely don't come across as what I suppose people have in their mind as a traditional financial accountant. So talk to me about your ethos behind the company that you run. It's Two Sisters Accounting. Who's the other sister? What's the sort of background about what you do and maybe sort of more of the joy that you bring to what is traditionally quite a uh, (laughs) a dull, don't take offence to that, a dull sort of
1: (laughs) working. (laughs) I think um so we two sisters accounting started because we both hated our jobs, we hated working nine to five, we hated the whole office thing. And Jessie and her husband went on a night out, got a bit got a bit pissed and he went why didn't you just set up on your own with Beth? give it a go like what's the worst that can happen um so we did and we've sort of made it up as we go along Is a lot of it um but what we do is a I hate people being scared of their accounts especially women like women have this whole a lot of them go I'm not good with numbers or I can't do finance or all of this and it drives me mad because everyone could be good at, with their accounting and their numbers so much of accounting isn't numbers it's data it's understanding it's looking at patterns it's seeing all of that so a lot of what i try and do is just try and make it less scary like there's this whole i think a lot of accountants old men trying to make themselves feel smart so they try and make it really complicated for people to understand but honestly it's it's not like i taught myself a lot of what i know while i was working in accountancy practices and stuff so it's yeah it doesn't need to be big scary horrible And also, I think for me, because it's my job, I need it to be fun because otherwise it's miserable.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you set up for yourself, there needs to be a reason that draws you into that beyond what the nine to five is giving you. Otherwise, you know, why do it? So. You mentioned uh, I suppose what we could call as a slight gender differentiation between how men and women approach numbers or approach accountancy and data. So what do you feel from a female perspective tends to be the biggest pitfalls or struggles for female business owners when it comes to managing their finances or accounts?
1: Oh, it's all just self belief and like limiting limiting thoughts about yourself and going. Oh, I don't understand numbers, I can't do that. Or my school teacher said I'm bad at maths, so I don't have a finance brain, I can't do that. And it's all when usually when you sit them down and go through it, they can go, oh my God, this suddenly makes sense. Or it's just that they've never had it explained to them in a way that makes sense to them. It's like the old thing like you can't beat yourself up for not knowing it if you've never been taught it. Um, mm. but you know, we're women, we love to be perfect and exceptional at everything without. Ever giving ourselves a chance so you know you have to you have to learn it to understand it if you've never been taught it don't beat yourself up for not knowing it.
0: Mm. You mentioned you know the the traditional phrase where you know teachers maybe told them they're bad at maths or bad with numbers do you find that there is still in this day and age uh, a gap or a gender divide between how boys and girls are put through school in terms of one side being more creative English language literature the other side being more data-driven sciences mathematics do you still see that there's a gap in the education system
1: I don't know it's hard because if I look back at my school I was definitely the sort of English math science sort of well the creative thing came to me as an adult as, as a like, when I was younger, I just didn't really get it. I was like, what am I supposed to do here? Sorry. Um, so I think, but I do think, like, women and girls can sort of go towards a creative, partly just because, you know, they're told that's where they should go. But I think it, it definitely is changing. I think a lot of us are like, well, no, because I do love creative things, but that's not, where, that's not the way my brain works.
0: Mm. Okay, so this fear of numbers that business owners have, How would you uh, create some simple step-by-step guidance for a business owner to start to understand the numbers, understand the data? What are the sort of first little bullet points that they need to be focusing on?
1: I think firstly is working out how you like working with stuff. So are you a spreadsheet person or are you a software person is sort of the first bit, because for some people you say pop it all in a spreadsheet. And they just go, I hate Excel, I don't understand it, I can't use it. In which case, <laughs> you doing it all in Excel, you're never going to understand your numbers because you don't like Excel. Whereas some people, you put them in a software and they go, I can't work computers, I don't understand it, how can I make this work? So even if it's a pen and paper, like find how you understand stuff. And I think we all know how we work best with stuff. Find what you're, how you like looking at stuff. Like for me, if somebody tries to make me do stuff in a Google Sheet, I'm automatically like, I don't like using this. I don't want to touch it, even though it's so similar to Excel, but I'm comfy in Excel. So like find find what makes you most comfortable because that's always going to be where you thrive, especially with something that you are uncomfortable with. And then it's sort of just find, again, finding ways for you that works with the data. So if you're in an Excel, do you like seeing things in graphs? Is So you can sort of make yourself on a bar chart so you can look at how much you made, in August 2023 compared to August 2022 compared to August 2021 and see how you're growing if it's in software learn the one report save it as a favorite that you need to click that will show you the same it's that sort of thing it's it's about is making it as easy for yourself as possible which I think is the same again you must have in the fitness world if you make it as easy for yourself as possible it will happen and it's again it's about building again with health and fitness it's about building habits you start with one bit and then you add a bit and then you add a bit don't expect, uh, if you've been scaling your numbers your whole life, to go in and suddenly be able to produce accounts yourself or understand complicated tax stuff. It's not going to happen. Maybe just get yourself comfortable looking at your bank account.
0: Absolutely. Simplicity is key. And it's interesting when you use the word tax stuff, um, which I think is, is a, you know, an all encompassing phrase. In the UK specifically, obviously, we're talking as two women in the UK, it is slightly different for those listening in other countries. But in the UK, taxation is, for a lot of businesses, a killer. You know, we're looking at things like corporation tax, you've got VAT, you've then got your personal income tax. Have you seen a trend in businesses really sort of struggling to keep the motivation and aspiration going when... You know they're trying to grow, 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 and seeing so much money disappear out. You know to to taxation. Have you seen a, a change in businesses' motivation as the the taxation has changed?
1: I think BOT is especially one where people, um, because once you're over you turnover over over eighty five thousand pounds, you have to register for that. I see a lot of small businesses that purposely do. Do a lot of work to stay around eighty three, eighty four thousand pounds because they know as soon as they have to put their prices up twenty percent, is their client base is going to plummet because suddenly they're going to be more expensive than people. So they will track it and they will shut for two weeks and take a holiday, or they won't take any more clients on purposely to stay at that number, which I think is really sad for these businesses that probably could grow and throw it, flourish, but purposely avoid the VAT threshold. But I also understand it because they sort of go, I've got enough and I don't want the ag of that. Um, but equally with the corporation tax, which is now, if you your profits are over fifty thousand pounds in a year, it's going up from nineteen percent, staggered up to if you're over two hundred and fifty k, it's twenty five percent. But again, businesses are purposely spending money, um, putting more in pensions, which can be a good thing, but or just trying to halt their growth so they're not paying more corporation tax, or they're looking, they're planning ahead, looking at how much their tax bill is going to be, and now their staff aren't getting pay rises that they might have got because they have to factor it all in to well we've got this tax bill to pay, which is really sad it's sad to see when businesses are stopping themselves just because that they are worried about paying their tax bills
0: mm, absolutely and uh I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the UK is probably one of the the hardest places in terms of dealing with taxation uh, across sort of the more developed world. We have quite a high level of taxation. So do you find that that can be quite... Um, a nerve-wracking area for business owners so obviously accountancy covers all sorts of things um, but taxes is probably one of uh, the phrases that scares people the most do you find that somewhere that you come in quite a lot to help people with is understanding their tax understanding how to budget for it make sure that you're working within the right thresholds? is that is that quite a big role in what you do
1: yeah we do a lot of that and a lot of sort of saying to people again the education part save your taxes you earn the money but like the love of everything save your taxes you earn the money hide money from yourself set up different bank accounts shove it away um educating that vat is not your money you are an unpaid tax collector so do not think i've got all this money in the bank and then go oh gosh i can't pay my staff because i've had to pay my VAT bill your VAT bill was never your money in the first place if you're building VAT money into your profits and stuff something's gone wrong um So it's like those simple bits. And then, yeah, sort of helping people plan monthly, quarterly, how much tax it's looking like they're going to pay. How can we help reduce that? What can we do? Again, it depends on the client, how involved they are in these planning things, but we do try and be there for people to sort of build it all out. And then at the other end of the spectrum, when people have muffed up, haven't saved their tax and are going, what can I do? It's then sort of being there and being that voice of going, HBC aren't going to take your house. Like, it's not good PR for them if they start kicking everybody out. Those in a hundred quid, um, but being there and saying to people, "You do need to speak to them. You do need to call them." Sort of keeping people accountable and being a bit of a nag and saying, "Don't bury your head in the sand because that's when it goes wrong."
0: Absolutely, and uh, you know you said multiple accounts. So if you were to advise people, so if if we took my business if I took my basic three accounts, I have my current account, which is like, just all the bills, the staff, everything that needs to be paid, my tax account. So every month, I know what tax I owe, it just goes into there and it, you know, accumulates so that it's there. And then we have the growth account. So anything that's additional goes in there. And that's the fun account that we get to do things with. So I mean, that's a very simplistic overview. And you know, I'm definitely not A uh, numbers person, or maybe that's my own limiting belief, who knows? (laughs) Um, What would you say is a good uh, setup in terms of accounts so that people know what money can be used for what, so that they can make sure that they save things? How would that look if you were advising someone?
1: So, for us, we have a current account like you where everything comes in and goes, we have a nice buffer in there. That's sort of our spending we have our corporation tax account where, I mean it does help that we have you know, Jessie every month goes through and does the math and works out exactly how much our corporation tax is going to be and hides it away and then we have our VAT account where again at the end of every month she goes through works at what our VAT bill is going to be, hides it, which I, I don't get to see um, so we have we run with sort of four accounts um and again it's it's so essential just to because then you know you know this is what I've got to spend my tax bills are covered and if there's something big or sexy that I want to do I've got this money hidden somewhere that I can then look at doing it with
0: okay so just because you cut out a little bit there so it was the current account the corp corp tax account VAT and then what was the fourth one the sort of the greatest
1: a a savings account savings account yeah
0: So when it comes to, um, I suppose, the not burying your head in the sand and the consistency, consistency is key in everything, my area, your area, all areas of life, consistency is key. Where do you see people being the most inconsistent when it comes to their finances?
1: Um, It's the day-to-day stuff. People, again, they don't like uploading their receipts. It's annoying, it's admin, it's faff, so they don't do that. Um, if they've got software they don't log in to keep on top of their bookkeeping but again that's where you can pay people to do it for you we can make it easier Um, and then it's just actually again I would say monthly or quarterly depending on what your plans are depending on what your business growth where you're going you should be looking how much money did I make how much money did I spend where did I spend my money and am I making enough money not even in terms of you know, do I need more clients? But am I charging my current clients enough? If you worked, you know, fifty hours that that every week for that month, and you've only come home with actually a thousand pounds left at the end of it, something's gone wrong. You need to be charging more. You need to be changing things. You need to be ch- sacking clients and getting better ones. Like, but so many people go through and go, "Well, I've got a hundred clients, so I must be doing great." A hundred clients aren't actually making you enough money for the work that you're doing. hundred clients is useless they mean nothing and that's where a lot of business owners also fall down because they go I'm so busy I must be doing really well and then we show them what their actual profit is and they go oh my god I'm working my bum, bum off essentially for free so you need to make sure you're not doing that.
0: So obviously understanding I suppose in that sense sort of the the value of the time that they're putting in because yeah if you're only bringing home you know really really small margins and you are working unbelievable hours and your hourly rate is actually pretty poor so let's look at obviously the value of what you're doing equally you use the word profit yeah there's also a word which for most people is is king which is cash so if I were to say to you where do you place most emphasis because you have cash flow and then you have profit you know for instance if we have a month where we see you know hundreds of thousands all on accounts receivable nothing's actually coming in then cash flow has really really ground to a halt and it doesn't matter what the profit says you know cash is going to stop the business so which one do you see as most important cash or profit or how do you balance them? How do you help people understand the
1: difference? It's understanding the difference is one of the things again that trips people up endlessly because they go, "I've me- I've built all this money, I've got no cash. What like what am I doing wrong?" And sometimes it's because they're considering VAT is their cash when it's again it's not. You need to mm-hmm. knock that out. VAT is its own little monster. Just ignore it from everything that you consider um or because they're not chasing to get their bills paid if you're invoicing all these people and doing all the work great when do you actually check that people are paying you because you'll look you'll again we'll look at some people and we go you've got invoices that are 100 days outstanding like most businesses can't run with invoices that are 100 days outstanding that is a huge chunk of cash that you're waiting for um, and I think also people get confused with cash and profit because they forget to factor in their tax bills and what they're paying themselves, um, like what they're taking out as dividends and all that sort of stuff. When they're looking at their cash, Because they're going, well, you're saying my profit is 100 grand. I've only got 40 in the bank account. Where's 60 grand gone? And then we sort of start saying things like, well, how much have you paid yourself and all that sort of stuff? And suddenly they come around and go, oh, so unfortunately, you've got to look at them together because if you're just looking at your cash you're probably going to get a real big shock when you see what your actual profit is and what your tax bill is um and if you're just looking at your profit you may really be missing out on the fact that you've got no money in your bank account which is fairly essential
0: (laughs) absolutely it's um it's kind of like breathing when it comes to sustaining a business Um, So, again, you know, we're speaking right now and there will be some people listening who are seasoned business owners who understand everything that is being discussed. And obviously, we're discussing it on a relatively layman's term basis because you are not speaking to another accountant, I can assure you. Equally, there are people listening who may have just started out as a sole trader or maybe thinking about leaving the sort of the PAYE system and moving into self-employment who are hearing lots of words going, this scares me. I don't want to do it. It's too much. So if we were to almost think of like a glossary of words, which people struggle with. You just used one, which probably doesn't mean a lot to some people, which was dividends. So would you, for those who are just sort of starting out understanding, what's the difference between essentially uh, a salary and dividends? What's the difference in terms of how they're paid, the effect um, on the individual, and when you start to focus, because obviously, sole trader limited, there's lots of different uh, details. Um, so could you break that down a little bit for us?
1: Yes. Yeah, so if your salary, you'll also be called POE, you get wages, all that sort of stuff. It essentially means every month you have your gross pay, which is usually the amount that'll be in your contract, your salary. And then you take national insurance off it, you take tax off it, you take pension off it, you take all that stuff on it off it, and you get your net pay at the bottom, which is the amount that goes into your bank account. And that's nice and simple. It's taken care of for you every month. All you see is, oh my God, they're taking so much money from me on my payslip. And your tax is sorted. You go about your business. <laughs> if you're a sole trader, you every penny that you earn throughout the year is counted. So the tax year is the 6th of April to the 5th of April each year. And as you earn money throughout that year, you then take any expenses off it. So what you've spent money on to get your profit. You then pay tax on your profit. It's really important to remember, it doesn't matter if you've paid yourself different, it's your profit. Again, a lot of people think, oh, well, I didn't actually take that money out of my business bank account, so I don't have to pay tax on it. As a sole trader, you do. And you pay tax either at 20% and 40% or 40%, depending on what tax bracket you're in, which is similar to the POE thing. Um, and then some national insurance. So those are those two. And then you get the world of, sell- of a limited company. So the key thing to remember about limited company is you and your business are separate legal entities. So you're two different things. As a sole trader, you're the same thing. Limited company, you're two different things. And this is where we can bring in dividends because you're a shareholder. Dividends can be paid on shares. um, And that's where that comes in. And dividends, the reason people pay themselves dividends if they're directors of a limited company is because they're taxed at nicer rates. So dividends are taxed at 8.75% in the basic tax rate which you can see is nicer. And everyone goes, oh, my God, well, then why am I doing that? Because you have to remember there's a corporation tax that goes alongside that. So you're paying two lots of tax, which is why one of the lots of tax gets to be nicer, because otherwise, uh, I mean, businesses wouldn't exist. There would be no limited companies because the tax rates would be obscene. So that's a sort of a lot of words, but as simple as I can make it in three minutes (laughs)
0: Absolutely, absolutely. No, I appreciate that. And I think it helps people to understand the different levels, because I think someone who doesn't own a business going into a sole trader is a big jump. Someone as a sole trader going into a limited is a big jump. And sort of at each step, there's new glossary words, new ideas that they're bringing in, which take quite a lot of sort of thought process. So what I'd like to finish up on is understanding your take on where people with the current climate and again this is UK based so for those listening globally uh, I apologize but this is very UK specific um we're not talking about LLCs or anything like that uh today so when it comes to the current climate in the UK with inflation, interest rates, everything creating quite a lot of financial struggles across the board. There are different places that people can put their money. So we've seen over probably the last 40, 50 years, especially when you know mortgages used to be self-certified, people putting their pensions, their money into property. And now over the last six months, we've seen an absolute uh, exodus from the property market as mortgages have gone so through the roof that people can't afford to be landlords anymore. So when it comes to long-term financial savings slash investment, there are obviously high-risk uh investments like uh stocks and shares. There are lower risk investments. So, you know, uh trust funds or Uh, bonds, things like that. So we have different ways of investing. We have ISIS, we have traditional savings accounts, we have pensions, we have property. And actually, when you start to think about it from a just an individual perspective, it's what do I do to best provide long term for myself, my family, my children? So I know as an accountant, you are not someone who, you know, looks after investments, <laughs> they're different, but what would your take on the current situation be, and where people should be putting their cash, their savings for a, a longer term view?
1: Um, I would always start with speak to our financial advisor, because they actually know what they're talking about. Um, but. Personally, my logic view on it, um, and I have to caveat this because I'm not allowed to give financial advice. This is not financial advice. This is just my personal, you know. Um, pension schemes have been around for as long as any of us can remember and they provide one job and they do it very well. So while there are a hundred other ways that you could do pension savings, pension schemes exist for a reason. They get nice tax relief if you're self-employed employed or run a limited company and they are there for that one purpose and they are a freaking huge industry so why not just use what's if you know use what is there to be designed to save for your future especially for your sort of retirement is that's just how I think about them like they wouldn't exist if they weren't a really good option
0: Absolutely. So essentially, what we're talking about here is also independent pension. So we're talking about sort of SIPs here. So obviously, for a lot of people who are maybe, um, you know, 40 or younger, they may not be really counting on the idea of ever getting a state pension. You know, based on the direction that it's going, you know, in, in 20, 30 years, is that scheme even going to be around? Um, so absolutely start to look at your own private pensions and how to build that. I think from a logical perspective, uh, makes sense. So thank you so much, Beth, for giving us some insights, some value, helping us understand our numbers a little bit more. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. And as always, if you want to get in touch, uh, with, Beth at Two Sisters Accounting, then all of the details will be in the podcast episode. But in the meantime, that's a big thank you to all of you for listening and a big thank you to Beth for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Ah, Me too. I could ask (laughs) questions, but um, I don't know how. I mean, I'm I'm hoping the questions about numbers were as interesting as we could possibly make them. But I think it's probably... (laughs) It's it's an area that people don't talk about enough because it is scary. So they kind of just bury their head in the creative side and hope that the numbers will take care of themselves. And we all know that if that, you know, most businesses go out of business before they reach their first birthday, uh, mainly because the numbers didn't add up. So that's, you know, one of the things that it's really key for people to look at. So thank you to all of you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next one. Bye.